Welcome back to another episode of Bike Weekly. As always, my name is Ryan Gerard, and I'm here with my co-host Rick Grunwald. Rick, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well, Ryan. Uh, just actually got back from golfing, uh, one of my many non-bike-related uh, side hobbies. So couldn't uh, couldn't ask for a better day today. What about you, man? How are you doing? You know, I'm having a really pretty good week. You know, uh, it's finally come to the point all year. Uh, I guess we had, you know, the Tour de France, we had the Giro, we had the Vuelta, but we have more racing. And that's why this is a special episode. We get to talk about two different, very unique races. I I know we were going to talk about one, but I also wanted to bring up uh, the PTO uh, Challenge Daytona Triathlon that happened this weekend as well. Besides that, we're also going to talk about the Zwift World Championships. Ah, nice. Yes, sir. It's uh, it's December, and normally it's just cyclocross season. And you know, in uh, in most situations, we'd probably be talking about just off season training and what's going on there. But it's a different year, man. And and it seems like November and December are great months now for uh, for e racing and I guess off season triathlons. Yeah. I'm really excited about this because, you know, both both these two events, I think, are kind of the future. Um, you know, Zwift being a big up-and-coming race, racing series, with, you know, being in COVID, being in lockdown, you can't race outside. Uh, I think this has a significant place in bike racing. Um, on the triathlon side, the PTO is the professional triathlon organization. They do massive prize pools for professional triathletes. And this race specifically had over a million dollars in prize money. And it brought in different types of pro triathletes. They have short course and long course triathletes. Um, it's free to watch, which is also awesome. Both of these events are free to watch. And, if you've never seen a triathlon race, this is this is the race to watch. It is ex- it is exciting from start to finish. Well, yeah. With that, Ryan, how about I? So I didn't get a chance to watch this uh, this triathlon event. So why don't you talk about that one first, and then uh, yeah. After that, since we both watched the Zwift World Champs, after that we'll uh, we'll discuss the Zwift World Champs. Sure, sure. So I'll start off with uh, over one million dollars in prize money. Insane. Uh, equal payout. Yeah, equal payout for men and women. First place gets a whopping hundred grand. I mean, that's, and, for a for a triathlete, even a professional yeah. triathlete, that's very, very good. I mean, that can make your entire year. That can, I mean, that's. I would, I would have to assume that that's pretty close to like the salary of a of a maybe a top a top ten triathlete in in the yeah. world. If if you're top ten at Kona, you're probably in the range of a hundred thousand. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that's like a top 10. So, uh, so with that, I mean, was that drawing the biggest names in the sport? Is that it like... brought like, I wouldn't say every big name because there was a few big names that were left out only because of COVID. Uh, they couldn't get to the United States, but they had a significant amount of every big name in every aspect of triathlon. So you have short course, which is the Olympic distance, um, then you have half Ironman and you have Ironman. 
and the distances of each event are a little bit different than it was it was the closest thing to a half Ironman, uh, but a little bit different distances. It was a slightly longer swim and a slightly shorter bike and run. So it was, I think, just over 2,000 meter swim to a 50 mile bike to a 11 mile run. And the cool thing is it's all done within the Daytona Speedway. So there's actually a lake in Daytona Speedway that they swam in. And the lake is there because it's where they took the dirt to make the embank and the embankments of the racetrack. Oh, okay. So they did two laps in the lake. Then they did 20 laps around the Daytona Speedway. And then they did four laps of running around the Daytona Speedway. It was really cool to watch because the short course uh, triathletes all went out hard in the swim and actually gapped. Most of the long course triathletes, Lionel Sanders, Sanders is the kind of was the big name for the long course. And same with Tim O'Donnell. Tim O'Donnell was actually able to uh, keep up in the swim, who is an American. Uh, Lionel mm-hmm. Sanders was off the back by about three minutes in the swim from the front. Wow. But he put in a massive bike. Known for being uh, known for quite the cyclist. Known for being quite the cyclist, he he stole actually quite a few KOMs from Phil Guyman. Wow, impressive! Yeah, he took he took the Mount Lemon uh, KOM from Phil Guyman. I believe he was kind of went viral in the cycling community for doing that. He's been on GCN a few times, or like they've talked about him on GCN a few a few times. Canadian Hour record holder as well. Yep, Canadian Hour record holder. Uh, but yeah, put in a massive bike on the front per- front guy who is like the guy. His name's um, I can't even remember his name right. Uh, Alistair Brownlee. Uh, Alistair Brownlee. Oh, okay. He is like the guy in short course triathlon, the guy to beat, and he gained like two minutes on him in in the bike. Uh, came into the run just behind, I think he was like a minute behind the leaders, and actually did then did like a 5.30 mile for 11 miles. Wow. And ended up being in fourth place. So he actually went from like 40th, 30th or 40th in the swim to fourth place in the run. Pretty impressive. I mean, that's I don't know a lot about triathlon, but to come, to come back from that far back seems to be quite the effort. Yeah, it was humbling, to say the least, watching these guys do this because, like, the speed that they swam at is, like, national-level swimming. And then they go – and then these guys can, you know, on the bikes, they're as fast as World Tour guys on the bikes. And then in the run, it's, like, you know, five – the guy who won did a 515 mile for 11 miles. That's insane. I mean, you've got to be world-class in three sports. Yeah, that's essentially what you have to be is a world class in three sports. So it was it was an awesome race. The broadcast was just phenomenal. I it's it's free to watch. I highly recommend everyone go check it out. It was insane. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, all right. Is there anything else yeah, you want? That's all I got. What's uh? No, that's about all I got for that. Nice. Um, it was an exciting race. The races each were about two and a half to three hours. Um, really good thing to watch if, if you're on a trainer, yeah, good, check good it out. Passive viewing too. Like everybody's yeah. from, like a, a work from home right now. 
I, I always think like there's some things you can just kind of throw on like the tour is like another really great event like that throw it on you know you can kind of check in once in a while while you're working it's not too distracting you can see the big highlights it reminds me of like one of those kind of races yeah yeah and to you know and with the hundred thousand dollar prize purse like these guys were this is this is like their salary yeah yeah this is this is their salary for the year you know they there's no races you know so this is what they need to like make money this year so everyone just showed up you know in the best fitness of their life yeah absolutely unreal so yeah super super cool event um the next one i kind of i think the only reason why i didn't watch this one is i was actually watching uh there's an f1 race on that was running uh in uh at the same time but otherwise i'll uh Mm -hmm. i think i'll try to catch the next one might not be for a while Uh, we'll see yeah i guess they don't have (laughs) they don't have one on the calendar yet but next time there is one for sure yep all right ryan well should we talk a little bit about the uh the zwift first and first inaugural world championships Yep. Yep. Let's, let's do it. Do we want to start with the winners or do you want to kind of go from the start? Yeah. Well, let's go, let's go from the start. Uh, Let's go from the women's race. So the women's race happened first. Um, The the one thing I want to mention about the women's race is that, so the U S didn't win, but they, four, they got four people in the top 10. I mean, yeah, they, the, the U S in cycling esports right now, is killing it yeah for sure and so with zwift racing and you know this is kind of a theme that we've talked about in the past zwift racing is really weird because uh, breakaways are extremely rare like even like a breakaway getting away from the main group is extremely rare and with the women's race it was actually pretty crazy because the group so i think there was um you know like a little over 60 riders in the women's field and the men's field the group got. Wh- I got the list up right now. There's 50 people in each in each race. Okay, well, okay, got it. But what's crazy though is that within the first half of the race, some of the best World Tour women cyclists were dropped, dropped out of the main group. Annemiek van mm-hmm. Wooten and Anna van der Breggen, who have won multiple championships individually in either the time trial or the road race, um, yeah, they they did not make it into the winning move and the. Uh, the group of 25 riders that uh, that were able to actually contest the win, which is kind of something that we goes back to like what we've been saying is like, it's a completely different sport. It's, it's a one thing one from cycling. One thing I want to mention is uh, Annika Langthad took sixth. Yes. And she is a mountain biker. She's a mountain biker. Yes. I, I think which mountain biking, I think would be a little bit more similar similar to Zwift racing because you know it's an hour and a half all out effort. This was an hour thirteen all out effort. So you know mountain bike racing and this are probably not too far off like the uh effort the effort that you have to put yeah a hundred percent I totally agree with you. The announcers actually they kept equating the effort to akin to like a t- uh cyclocross race. They're like where you're kind yeah, of surging, yeah. you've always got pressure on the pedals there's not a lot of opportunities to like really not be pedaling. So that's probably what the closest analogy to, or the closest like physically demanding cycling discipline would be is cyclocross. Um, but yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on it before Ryan, um, the U S actually managed. So I think there was eight women from on the U S team and they had eight women final group of, like I said, there was about 25 riders that were there after the first half of the race that were actually able to contest the finish. 
So they had all eight riders mm-hmm. there. Um, and looking at just looking at some of the results, the top ten. Um, so it looks like uh, yeah, they had three riders in the top ten. I was I was kind of hoping that they were going to maybe be a little bit more aggressive having that many bodies, if that makes sense. Um, so the race ended with a kind of a short and steep climb. Uh, and like I said, they had all eight women in the lead up to that climb. I was kind of thinking that they might've tried to maybe burn a couple riders, like with really aggressive breakaways and some, like I said, just more aggressive tactics, but you know, the, I think the, you know, I don't think, I don't think uh, they're racing as a team though. Well, I they, think they're this on Dis- is more of an individual. They effort. are on Discord, so that that is like something that was mentioned, and, and I guess it's not. It's oh, okay. who knows if that's actually what they were doing, um, but sure. like supposedly all of these teams are kind of in their own individual Discord channels with with their teammates. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think you're right. I think everybody was kind of racing for their own win in some regards. You had some some of the U.S. women went off and kind of did some uh, some attacks on the climbs, but nobody was really able to put on put in like a really aggressive like uh big move off the front and the winner who was ashley woolman pasio was definitely uh the strongest of that group i mean looking at her results she did 4.4 watts per kilogram she put a really hard attack in on the last climb up to the finish and was able to hold off sarah giganti for the win so it was it was a great race i I thought it was really exciting actually um and and like we've been talking about too it was a great time it was an hour long so there's plenty going on, and you kind of got to see like the big important points of the the races, um, but it wasn't. Oh, that's one thing. That's one thing I wanted to touch oh, yeah. on quick is these. So these weren't broadcast broadcasted from start to finish. Uh, each race was you only really saw about the last thirty minutes. Yes, which made it really really watchable. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Although one thing is for Zwift racing, you've got to show the start of the race. So. It, with Zwift yeah. racing, it's mm-hmm. it's really hot out of the gate. It's a super aggressive start. Typically, there's like you know some really hard digs being put in just uh, within the first couple kilometers. I think it's super important that they show the start of the race. But um, yeah, I mean to your point as well though, you saw the last thirty minutes of it super compact, super aggressive, and overall good racing. Yeah, it was it was great. the The finish of these races. You know, because they 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 show the watts and the watts per kilogram, the heart rate. You, you f- it really makes you feel like how hard of an effort it is at the end of these Zwift races. When because we've talked about it before, like it's not it's not a sprint, it's a one minute effort. Right. And to see the the types of watts that they put out in that last minute, like I feel like I feel that in my soul. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially when they pan over to some of like the webcams where you see people absolutely dying on their indoor trainer. Um, you really, I mean, and especially, you know, with how accessible Zwift racing is, you know exactly what that feeling is where you're just, just absolutely annihilating yourself in your living room, in your garage, in a closet next to your attic, like just trying to like get the win or, or get on the podium. It's, it's a very relatable feeling, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I really got to give it up to Ashley Pazio, Ashley Mulman Pazio. Uh, Her interview after the race was phenomenal. Um, She didn't take this as, you know, it's it's Zwift. It's not really bike racing. She 
gave an interview that was really focused around, you know, this is the future. The younger generation is really behind this. I think this has, you know, a lot of leverage in the cycling community, especially right now. And she she was really a great ambassador. And she pops she you pops know, champagne I, I on the uh, on the and interview. She, yeah. she she literally pulled out a bottle of champagne and popped it on the webcam, which is baller move right there. It, like sprayed it sprayed it in everything. Yeah. Like that. Like what a way. You know, nobody asked her to do that. Nobody asked her to talk good about you know the cycling e racing. But I mean, for someone in the community, especially you know the world champion now, to to give like an interview like that to like the additional entertainment value that that brought to the, the world championships. Like that was, that was phenomenal. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm, she's definitely one of my, one of my new favorite women's racers for sure. And she's not like you said it there too. Like she, she's a full-time, uh, you know, professional women's road racer. She works, she races for the SD, the SD works team. That's at least her team going into 2021. Uh, she's been on the women's world tour, uh, for quite a while now, a couple of years. Uh, so she's legit. Like she's a very strong cyclist and for her to take it serious is, uh, is really cool, you know, cause it would have been, it would have been pretty lame, uh, to just see, you know, like, uh, just an average world tour pro kind of rock up win and be like, yeah, you know, it's like, it is what it is. But, um, you know, I think the, the perception of e-racing has really changed and people are saying, seeing now that like, oh, there's a lot of potential for this to be like a legitimate career path as well. If you think about it, I mean, um, you know, like uh, who knows? Uh, I know, I don't think anybody right now is making a full-time gig or living out of being a professional e-racer. Um, but you know, the prize, the, the, the prize pool for this was like $8,000. So you know where, you know where, uh, the the money is going to go to with like zwift it's because like with zwift companies can now sell accessories and that's where they make their it's money a, it's a way of, they can yes, sell you the trade 100 percent. i totally agree and i think that's that's where it's going to really start to blow up is when companies companies invest in this and pay the riders and that's where their you know their marketing budgets are going to because it's easier to sell trainer i feel like it's easier to sell trainers it's easier to sell trainer accessories you know trainer tires um you know all this how much stuff do you need you know or do you need do you want for just indoor training yeah you know and then you know everyone's still gonna go outside in the summer and stuff but i i I feel like indoor training is really on the rise right now companies are going to start to realize that and they're going to really put in effort and they're that's where their money's going to go towards and i think that's also where they're going to see where they can make the money so you know the 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 whole bike industry is surrounded you know around selling the bike right uh-huh. now once once they realize how many accessories and stuff they can sell with indoor training i think e-racing because of that like pros are going to start looking at e-racing because that's where the money is you know uh people are going to start you know watching e-racing because they're doing the same races the pros are you know on a given tuesday night you might be racing with a pro a hundred percent yeah i i think you you hit the nail on the head with that one ryan like uh, i i think about it this way so i was actually listening to a recent interview um and to to add to your point um one of the one of the most dominant uh, both men's and women's race teams right now is Saris, the pros closet cycling team. 
So you've got one trainer company, Saris, and then the Pros Closet, who is a company that sells used cycling equipment, already getting behind and, and forming a, a really strong team. But, um, you know, like, for example, Chris Froome winning the Tour de France, I, I think most people would say it's not going to convince them to buy a Pinarello cycling bike. You know, it's $10,000 bike. Yeah. Chris Froome, mm-hmm. what he can do on a bike, and, I mean, it, it's just hard to, like, bridge that gap. But think about Chris Froome live streaming his races and talking about the trainer that he's using. I mean, that's an experience that Chris Froome can share and that actually has more weight yeah. because that's like I, I, I'm going to have the same experience riding on a trainer or I want more input on the trainer because we'll have the same experience. What does the road feel like? How does it handle Zwift? Uh, as opposed to, you know, a $10,000 uh, carbon bike, which, um, won't make a difference for yeah. me, but a, a nice trainer certainly will. Uh, so, it- and you know what, you know, you know, what goes viral is Chris Froome's pain cave. Yeah. You yeah. know, th- that's, that's super hot right now is show off your pain cave. You know, what doesn't go viral is the sticker decals that they put on his Pinarello this right, year. Right. Do you know what decals they put on his Pinarello this year? I Cause no I don't. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like, they po- they'll post like his bike for the year, and to be honest, I scroll past it. But if he pro- posts his pain cave, like, check it out. I'm looking through that, seeing what he has and stuff. Like, oh, I wonder like what he has might benefit me. You know, I'm not going to go out and buy a ten thousand dollar Pinarello, but if he has like a new towel thing that g- covers your handlebars and stuff, I might see that and go, oh, that looks useful. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I totally agree with you there. You know, I think the the progression of what will eventually be the full-time e-racer, the full-time Zwift racer, I think that progression is going to really parallel the progression of like the full-time esports athlete. You know, if you were to if you were to yeah. rewind and look back at like 2010, if people were making money playing video games, how are they making money? Well, the best people would show up and win tournaments. And that's kind of what that's kind of where cycling is right now. How do people make any money at all uh, e-racing? Well, the best cyclists show up and they win these tournaments. And we saw that today. You know, the men and the women, I think they took, like I said, like 8,000 euro, I think was the the prize. Uh, so, you know, not a lot of people can make a living out of winning 8,000 euro here and there. But at- but I also want to say like $8,000 for a race win out of 50 people. That's actually like really with, good compared and to with other no, prize money. With no prize... Uh, need to travel, no need to put yourself in danger yeah. with like a, uh, a in real life bike race. I mean, all things considered, the costs to run these e races are almost yeah. none. I mean, you have to have the yeah. broadcast, but I mean, the cost of a broadcast versus all the travel, hotels, the setup of the courses, the shutting down of roads, the police officers, you know, there's so much that goes into a bike race. Like that's all eliminated. Like, well, yeah, I I don't know. I feel like this, this, this is like one big rant, but I mean, like I'm, I'm like, but kind of back to my point, like that, I think the progression is going to be streaming and developing kind of a more like uh, a more personal brand and broadcasting your racing, your training, your rides, much like people in the video game community eventually figured out like, well, I can make money winning tournaments, but I can also make more money streaming, um, doing analysis, 
um, you know, like kind of creating my own little community and people can interact and make donations. I think there's mm-hmm. a, a real path for that. And I think that that's, that's a way where I think e-cycling is going to start parallel, paralleling uh, the history of, uh, you know, uh, gamers making money and, and a living through streaming and more ways outside of direct competition, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like too, just like in, you know, gaming, I think we're going to see a lot of young guys do a lot of e-racing and we're going to see a, a huge surge in like younger, like the, the 18, 19, 20 year olds, I think are going to be the ones who are at the, uh, the top of e-racing because a lot of these guys who are world tour right now, I don't think they buy into it. It's, it's the younger generation that's going to be like, you know, let's do some e-racing when you know, they had the Zwift uh, Pro Series going on. They're going to be the ones that, you know, on top of racing outdoors, they're going to do the Zwift uh, and, Series indoors. And it's economics why too, not? right? If you're a World Tour Pro, especially a high-profile one on the men's side of things, um, you know, you still have you can still make more money with a pro road contract than you can e-racing. I mean, you know, just e- economics aside right now, right now, right. at least. So for them, like, I, I kind of understand why they're not buying into it. It's like, well, I, I need to make my money as a, as a really high caliber road racer. Um, so, you know, maybe there isn't the intense interest there right now, but we'll see how that changes, but that's probably a pretty good segue into the men's race, um, which was also, Oh, I totally forgot. We not didn't not talk yet, about which was also yet. a great race. Um, Ryan, what did you think about the men's race? Uh, the thing that stood out to me was yes. the Canadians. They, they uh, were aggressive. Unfortunately, at the end of results, they didn't do great. The best place was 19th. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Uh, Lionel Sanders was there. He made a, an attack up the final hill that didn't go very well. He took 30th. Um, some big names in the men's field. I, the significant thing here is no big names in the top 10. Uh, you have, I mean, you have smaller big names like Nicholas Pedersen. I've heard his name before from Denmark. Uh, he was, he was, he took third, but besides that, no big names in the top 10. I mean, I'm going down the list, and the first big name I see is Rigoberto Iran, who took 25th, and then uh, Victor Campanieres took 31, 31st. Uh, Tom Pedock took 32nd. Edville Bosenhagen, 35th. Uh, Wisconsin's own Jaden Yeager actually raced. Yeah, and he was He was in the final group for the the last uh, the yeah. last you know contest up the final climb for the finish so that that's kudos to him for even making it that far in the race it was a very brutal race yeah um but i think you touched on something that was really interesting and something that i i definitely noticed with this race was that the world tour pros uh they tried to win the race or they tried to race the race um like they like they were trying to win a real life race so if you if you noticed like over one of the climbs, uh, Tom Pedock, uh, he kind of made a move. He tried to get off the front. Um, Victor Benertz, he definitely also uh, tried to put in some attacks. Edvald Bosenhagen, they tried to make, they tried to take advantage on on the sections of the course that those riders are typically the strongest. Those are bigger riders, um, like Bosenhagen and Campanertz. Uh, They're uh, very good time trialists, especially Campanertz. Uh, so they really tried to take advantage of that and attack on the flats. 
And it is, it is really hard in Zwift to get off the front period. And it's just, it's probably not going to happen on the flats. Um, so, and even M- Michael Valgren as well. I think he, he's obviously a really strong rider. He kind of put some attack in towards the end of the race. A lot of these riders didn't want to come down to the final climb uh, to decide the finish. So they, it seemed like they kind of spent their bullets uh, earlier in the race before coming up to that final climb. Um, but you could really tell who was a professional road racer and who was a dedicated e-racer because a lot of those guys were just all focused on energy conservation the entire race. You could just see them try to float, stay in the middle of the field. Even when uh, you had mentioned this before too, like team Canada was using some awesome team tactics, trying to light it up on the climbs, trying to get off the front, doing a little team, team time trialing. All of these riders did their best to stay within the group, stay within the draft and just minimize the amount of energy that they were expending in order to really punch a hole in the group coming up to the last climb. I think, you know, that, that was something where a lot of these e-racers have probably done so many races just like this, where they just knew they're like, it's all about the last climb. I've just got to save energy. Yeah. I, you said it great. Uh, one person I really want to highlight is the current hour record, Victor Campaniertz. Uh He is someone that really buys into the whole uh, e-racing thing, social media. He does a great job. He's got his own YouTube channels, similar to Alex Dowsett. Uh, he actually recently just did a oh, nice. Pain Cave video, which he has a pretty impressive That explains rate. why he uh, is probably into Zwift. He's got a good setup. He's got yeah. a very. I know. Nice so I, I think it's really cool. Like when you do get some of the. I mean, it's actually like really bizarre because in the same race, you know, you had Victor Campaniertz, who is a again the world hour record holder. You had Rigoberto Uran, who's uh, finished second in the Tour de France, and you had Wisconsin's own. We mentioned him before, Jaden Yeager, who's like a local legend. He's one of the best cyclists that's ever come out of the state, and like why? Not to mention all of the other national international champions in that race it was just like very bizarre i don't know if you felt the same way but it's like this is so cool this is just so cool yeah how there's so many different athletes from from so many different sports i mean not to mention lionel sanders like lionel sanders was in this race he just got done with the other race we we're talking about the pro triathlon and you know it's been a week and he's racing the Zwift world championships and making it animated like he was like he was attacking he was putting in moves like we said team canada uh trying to make the race uh it was just cool man i was i was into it yeah and i mean you know shout out to Jaden yeager that's a dude who he he works as an engineer and he is racing at the zwift world championships with legit world tour pros i mean 39th out of 50 like he i mean it's not the best result but i mean come on he made it until the the final you I'll, know probably I'll last say i'm longer. not i was not a huge fan Which... of this being an uphill finish because i've i've seen a lot of swift races and i think fast sprint finishes are just so much more interesting i don't know if you feel the same way but i've yeah I really love I'm like watching kind of the, the cat and mouse game that is like the Zwift sprint finish because, you know, a lot of it is just getting the timing right. It's using your power-ups correctly. I think if we would have seen even a, 
even like a, a, a climb to longer, flatter finish, it would have been a very different result. Um, like, you know, like we kind of talked about Jaden, he's, he's a bigger guy. He's, he's a diesel. He likes to roll the flats. And then even a lot of the other guys, and especially like Team USA, a lot of the riders that they picked are, are bigger riders. I know we had Ryan Larson from the U.S. He got ninth, which was a great result. Um, but yeah, I think it just would have been a very different race, uh, being more of a traditional flat Zwift finish. Um, but yeah, and, and the winner, actually Jason Osborne, uh, from Germany, who is actually a, a rowing world champion. Did you know that? I did actually, he is not even a professional. I don't understand the crossover racer. between rowing and, and being a really good cyclist. It's. So when you when in rowing it looks like you're using your upper body, but I believe it's like seventy five oh, or eighty wow. percent lower body. So it's it's a very similar VO two effort. So like they're really good at like three to five minute that makes VO two effort. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, they have they have like massive VO two maxes. So a lot of it transfers over to yeah and and a lot of sports where you use both your upper and lower body aerobically you tend to have a bigger vo2 max i mean us we personally have have raced against and known a couple people that have transitioned from rowing to cycling and it seems like everybody is able to just you know transition flawlessly and become a, a really good cyclist yeah yeah all right any um, uh, last thoughts yeah, man, that's. I think that's it for me. Just this really solid race, e-racing. I'm I'm here for it. I'm all in it. Um, I think bike race weekly. We're gonna start doing. Well, start. We already. We already. Yeah, we already really this have, weekend. Yeah, um, this weekend. We're start, Saturday is pretty much always gonna be a race day for us. So we'll start posting out when we plan on racing. Uh, we have a Discord channel. You can find that in our Instagram yep. bio. So if you feel like hopping on our Discord. Uh, and chatting while we race we can all race together uh, we can just chat too that's cool um, and we also now have a uh, uh, so if you have uh, Zwift power uh, feel free to join our team it's open to anybody uh, you can find it under uh, beer league bike racing uh, and you can find that under blbr as the acronym yeah uh, we will be getting out our first uh, Zwift strategy race analysis video um, this weekend. I am still trying to figure out what, how, how to do it, but I think uh, I'm pretty excited for it. I think it's going to turn out pretty well. Pretty So I will try to get that up by Sunday. I'm going to be racing Saturday and hopefully edit and add commentary Saturday night. So check that out. Uh, follow our YouTube channel at Bike, Race, Bike Racing Weekly, I believe. And follow the rest of our social All media right, well, as well. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next episode. See you later.